have an environment where receptivity is kind of the norm, it just builds this real sense of, of, of trust and, and safety and a, a place where you know that you can be yourself and people will accept that. Uh, and, and you learn a lot about yourself just being able to be in an environment where that's, where that's happening. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interviewed Travis Sigley for the first ever two-part episode of Half Hour Intern. And I think you will agree that it was very worthy of doing a two-parter. So the first part will be today. The second part will be on Thursday. Travis um, owns his own tea shop where he practices the art of Gong Fu Sha, which is, first of all, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Wait until he says it during the episode. But uh, it's an ancient Chinese way of enjoying tea that really promotes relaxation and connecting with other people that are in the tea shop with you. Um, He also runs the Tea Yurt and is a camp counselor at Camp Grounded, which is a four-day-long summer camp for adults. So originally, I thought that that was the only thing that I was going to be interviewing Travis. Travis about was being a camp counselor at a summer camp for adults. And that's the first thing that we talk about. But there was a lot to talk about with Travis. So he also is, you know, this tea guru, tea expert that knows so much about tea and has such a reverence for it that I just love and kind of loves it for all the right reasons. So we talk about that a lot as well. And then coming up on Thursday's episode, we'll talk about Travis's other pastime and profession and hobby, which is cuddle therapy, which he actually pioneered and is now kind of taking off throughout the entire United States, which is the practice of using intimate, non-sexual touch as therapy. So uh, that is as interesting as it sounds, and there's so much to talk about on that. So that'll be in Thursday's episode. But today we'll be sticking to tea and adult camp counseling. So without further ado, here is adult camp counselor and tea guru. Travis, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I want to give the listeners a little bit of a background on this interview. We were supposed to do this interview, what, about like two weeks ago or something like that? Maybe even a month ago at this point. Actually, yeah. Before, yeah. So we, I, I called you up on Skype and we started talking about what I thought the interview was going to be about and just kind of getting some background information about you. And we ended up talking for like an hour and not recording any of it, at which point I realized like, holy shit, there's so much more that I have to talk to Travis about than just what I thought I had to talk to you about. Um, So we're doing this interview now, so we kind of have some more time and we can get into other aspects of your life aside from being um, kind of like an adult camp counselor, if you want to call it that, and we can get into your life as a cuddle therapist and the tea shop that you own in Oakland and stuff like that because I, I... and the more that I research about you, I, how, how old are you again, Travis? Uh, 28. That's honestly unbelievable. Like when, <laughs> when I'm looking up stuff about you, like it seems like you must be 75 years old or something. <laughs> like I'll read things that, that happened to you or like, you know, a business that you started or whatever. And I'll be like, and you know, there'll be some quote of you and you'll say like, oh yeah, I've been doing this thing for like six years now and blah, blah, blah. It's like most people don't even really get started with anything major in their life until they're in their 30s or something. And it it seems like you've already done so much. Yeah, I kind of 
got a pretty big stroke of luck in life and, and found some passions really early on and, um, you know, started cuddle therapy my first thing when I was 21 and just kind of been skyrocketing since then, just kind of following that momentum of, yeah, living life through a lot of, a lot of different passions. Dude. So awesome. I, man, I can't wait to talk about cuddle therapy, but I'm going to have to have some discipline and, and we'll go, uh, yes, focus, we'll, we'll yeah. start where we should start. So let's start with camp grounded and with you kind of being a, 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 would you even call yourself a counselor there or not really because you're running the T yurt? Right. Um, I, I, I did counseling for one weekend, but my, my real work there, my, my real job was to, to run the T yurt and also, also just be a general, like, presence of somebody on staff and on the team for a lot of campers that's not necessarily having to be somewhere throughout the day the tier it's more of an, a nighttime thing um but being able to i teach i teach some play shops there um and i run the tier but counseling is 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 not my my particular role over there okay cool so i have so many questions about this but if you could first just try to give people a little bit of, bit of a background on camp grounded and the idea of behind Camp Grounded and what it is, so that way people kind of have a reference point for the interview. Sure. Um, camp Grounded is a digital device-free uh, summer camp for adults. So all these campers come, you know, aging from, I think we had a, a camper that was 18 a little while ago up to into their 60s, and uh, people that just get to come together, turn off their phones, take their watches off, dip out of the the ideas and realities around around the internet and hyperconnectivity and time and all these things and just be really forced into being really present with the, the people they're at and the activities they're doing uh, and to just kind of take a load off their shoulders and really have a really um, inspiring and enlivening and, and uh, really interesting, fascinating weekend full of, of, of a huge mix of people from, from all walks of life. It's so, so, so cool, man. Like when I first heard about it, I couldn't believe a, that it wasn't something that I had heard about earlier, and B, something that didn't get created earlier. Um, I, I guess maybe if it was any earlier, it would have been looked at as being really like too silly or something for people to take seriously. Mm-hmm. But man, it's like, aside from the, the, um, the actual connectedness that you get with other people and those things that you were saying like that, everyone that went to summer camp as a kid, or even if it was just like a local summer camp in your town or whatever it was, like those are some of my best memories from childhood are summer camp memories. And I think for a lot of people, uh, summer camp is kind of this like magical, special place where even as a kid, you get to, um, one, you get to kind of be a different person. If let's say maybe you weren't that popular in school, but then you get to go to summer camp and, you know, have this different group of friends and, um, you know, you, you get to kind of reinvent yourself and, um, and it's kind of like, there's no, there's no real rules. It's just for having fun and being yourself. Um, like what an amazing thing to invite adults to have that experience too, and not limit that to kids. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you really kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit with, with reinventing yourself because that's a big part of what we kind of forget to, to do every once in a while as adults sometimes um, is to kind of think outside of the box and think about what other opportunities we could have in life and what other ways we could be and perspectives we could have and communities we could belong to. And, and you know, you go out, you have a camp name, so you kind of disconnect from your day-to-day reality. You're not allowed to talk about work, so that's not something you can even approach. So what you're used to doing every single day 
is something that you really can't even access. Um, and you can develop these really deep connections and uh, deep, not, not just to other people, but to other things that you may have never done before uh, and completely outside of the context of, of your day-to-day life. So it really has a lot of capacity to kind of reinvent a lot of different parts of yourself. And I know myself personally, even as a staff member, have, have really been hugely inspired and a lot of my life has, has changed a lot um, from going there. That's so cool, man. So you're A, making new connections to things that you were never connected with to begin with and then kind of rewiring other mm-hmm. other parts of your brain and your experience. So uh, you mentioned you don't, so you create a, a different name for yourself when you go to the camp, like kind of like a camper name? Right. That is awesome. So, and I know from looking at the rules, um, like you said, it's completely against the rules to talk about work. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of against the rules to talk about your age. Like mm-hmm. people, yeah. uh, I, what, what's the age range? Of, you mentioned the youngest being 18. How, how old are some of the people at the camp? Um, there have been a couple of people that have been in their, in their 60s in there. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And so I was reading on the website and it was talking about, you know, that you have anyone there from like a CEO to let's say, you know, whatever, like a janitor or just like an 18 year old that's working um, as like a server at a restaurant or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and obviously part of the idea is that now in, in the idea of in that kind of theme of reinventing yourself and being like a kid at summer camp and I guess getting back to the whole entire popularity thing that I brought up for myself when I was younger and when I would go to summer camp and everything is that the server at the restaurant and the CEO are on total even playing field and there's no reference point and there needs, you need to kind of check your ego a little bit um, and just connect as, as people having an experience. Right. Exactly. That, uh, that just kicks ass, man. I (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) I imagine, especially you get, a little bit of more like a better view of people running the tea yurt, especially so alcohol is not allowed uh, at campground. And so I imagine a lot of people probably come to the tea yurt in the evening to have something to drink and talk to each other and stuff like that. Do you find that people open up more over the course of the weekend and, and kind of change a little bit? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there's kind of a, this interesting window upon arrival of just getting settled into yourself and getting used to the conversations that you may not be used to having. Um, and, and I mean, part about what I love about tea in general is, is it kind of induces that state in, in just in the way that it operates. You know, you sit down you drink a little tea next to somebody and you just kind of keep going. And after the first few minutes, you kind of get over your, your like rote subconscious questioning that you do with every new stranger and then you start to get it at the meat of like who you are and who the other person is and and this is a whole weekend dedicated to that so it's really um heightened in a, in, a, in a lot of ways just sitting down um at the tea yurt and and there's live music all night so there's just like this really rich experience of of music and expression and people and connection and um it's it's really it's 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 a pretty profound experience um uh, both both in the tea yurt and out that's beautiful, man. Um, t- so take us through like a typical day of being at the camp, I guess. One, one, if you could just take us through like a typical day that a camper would experience. And then after mm-hmm. that, we'll kind of talk about what a typical day is like for you. Sure. Um, the campers themselves, um, and there's a pretty, uh, typical is hard when there's only three days there and, and they're pretty well-crafted days to kind of get, um, get into. But 
as far as the general essence of what's going on, you know, you wake up in your in your village. So the the all the camps are broken up into different villages uh, that have like you know animal themes like rattlesnake village and hawk village and all these different things. Um, and you wake up with your with your campmates and your camp counselors are there. And you know you'll have breakfast together for the first day and um, meet everybody and kind of go through that. Go through a, a few like introduction stuff, like little games that the counselors run you through. Um, and you also do this in the in the big mess hall where the whole camp eats together uh, for breakfast the other day. And then uh, different, all kinds of interesting different activities are run throughout the day. So we have play shops that people go through. There's a series of like 40 different things, like old fashioned, like arts and crafts and archery and um, all these, all these traditional camp type things. And then a bunch of other things. Like I do a cuddle therapy play shop there and, and an acro yoga play shop. Um, and then other people do uh, uh, different forms of dancing and uh, some like interesting theater game things and singing. And, and it's, it, really kind of like the whole gamut of what you could hope for um, yeah on the site it looked like there were on any given day like you know 20 plus things that you could sign up for on that day and you part you know part of the day you're picking out which of the things you want to do right right which is kind of why it's a little hard to to, uh, to look at like a standard day <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah totally because there's it's so it's just so rich it's kind of the, the thing it's like we, we kind of see how much we can pack into uh, into three days uh, of experience and it's pretty incredible how much we can um, yeah for sure yeah. i mean when people don't have to be connected to anything else during the entire day there's a right. lot of hours in a day right, to right, to right. just do activities if they're structured so do you find it do you guys have to encourage people to do some like physical activities and some more like emotional and spiritual activities uh, like are, are there some people that kind of try to only sign up for you know just tons of different physical activities that a regular camper would like you know as a little kid um do you try to steer people towards doing a little bit of a mix of both or do you just want everyone to do whatever they want to do yeah there's there's really not as much steering um as far as like helping craft people's experience we just we just put everything out there that we can and and the the production of this place is just absolutely incredible. This the team here. I've I've never worked on one such a large team and two such a talented team that like really has their shit together. Like really really knows what they're doing, um, and and pieces together this experience that has all like all angles of of the experience kind of met. And and we just kind of set the stage and and let the campers go for it. And we're all we're always all there to provide support and talk about things they might want to do and and um, like maybe just excitedly like, I love this. You should come join me with this. But it's really just letting the campers um, kind of go at their own, at their own pace and, and do what they want and really in, invite them to participate. But it's kind of hard not to, because if you're there, you're, you're, you're there participating the whole time. Totally. Um, yeah. So given the fact that you mostly what you do is the tea yurt and then that's, that that's mostly operating during the evening, do you mm -hmm. get to kind of be a camper for some of the afternoons and, and just do different stuff? A little bit. Yeah. Um, I, the, one of my favorite things there are the different play shops and, and I, I have to teach two of those or I get to teach two of those. Um, it's one of my favorite parts also is teaching. So it's, it's, there's really no way to lose, uh, for me out there. And, but there's a lot of like, you know, we all eat together. Even the staff is involved with that. And because I, I'm 
not responsible for groups of people. I don't have to be as on throughout the day. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, yeah, I can, I can definitely uh, dip in and just bop around the different parts of, of camp and, and participate in some of the like bigger games that we all play together. And I, I participate in the talent show also. That's been different every year. Um, just all these, all these different things that I, that I get to do. And as long as, you know, the tea house is open um, all night, then, or at least, you know, to a reasonable hour, cause I need to get the campers to bed cause we have an early morning. <laughs> um, then, then yeah, I have a lot of, a lot of freedom to kind of still though, really be there for the campers. You know, like I, 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 I I'm really make a point to um, being present for them uh, and their experience there so they can have, have the best time they can. Yeah, definitely. So you just brought up the, uh, the talent show. When I saw that that was one of the activities, I, I just like laughed so much in my head. I love <laughs> that that is still an activity because you want to talk about uh, doing something to kind of set your ego aside is volunteering to be in a talent show. Yeah. Have you ever had any uh, like a really amazing, like truly amazing people uh, sign up for the talent show? And then like, what are some of your favorite memories, I guess, of, uh, of the talent show? Um, yeah, there's definitely some incredible talent that comes through. Um, and I've seen some, some people go up there and, and also it's like, it's just such a profoundly supportive environment that no matter the skill level of, of whoever goes up there, it's still, it's still amazing. Cause everyone, even if it's like, oh man, this is, they're not very experienced at this thing, but the fact that they're up there and putting themselves out there for in, in front of like 300 plus people, there's such a like heartwarming, overwhelming experience it's, that's being felt there that, that I, it's really, really profoundly, profoundly rare. Um, and, and so really there's, there's, it, it's all really incredible. Um, but the, the, the talent in and of itself, yeah, there's, there's certainly stuff that like, wow, you've put in years of your life and crafted something. And this is, this is incredible. Um, yeah, that's got to be, that. sorry it, it, to interrupt, but that, that really does, I, I didn't really think about that, but just how beautiful that has to be because it, as you get older and you have been an adult for a while, it's like, you know, you just keep doing the same things that you're already good at over and over right. again. And if right. you pick up a new, like, quote unquote hobby, you just take it as a hobby and there's not people standing around watching you anyway. So if you're kind of bumbling around to begin with, you don't care and there's no you know skin in the game really or anything like that. To put yourself out there, it's something that you might not be that skilled at and let's say you know you are one of the like the ceos that have come to this camp or something when all these people every day just respect the crap out of you and like maybe kiss your butt and (laughs) you are so used to being like the best at that thing every single day day after day and then you come to this camp and you get up and try to do like a freaking juggling act or something and you drop your stuff on the ground uh it's it's really nice to see people in humbling experiences like that. And I think it's something that we can all uh, connect to and empathize with. And um, yeah, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really great to kind of like just do, do something different and to change up the, the like status idea. And, and that's part of why we don't talk about work and don't talk about ages. So that it's, we give as even a playing field as we can. And that, that just does profound things for, for a lot of people. Yeah. So sorry, you were about to say something that was that actually uh, was really memorable for you at the talent show. Right. So, so I mean, the first year that I ever went, um, which is the first year it was, uh, I went up on stage to do um, this performance 
called the story of right now, which is like an, an improvisational storytelling thing where I'm telling a story about the experience that is happening in front of me and like inviting the audience to not just be audience members to be, but to be characters in this story. Um, and this was a very new thing. I've just been starting. I like did it once before in an audience of like 10 people. Um, but getting up on stage and having this, the like house funk band backing me up in the middle of the story and having an audience of 300 people all get together and kind of like follow my narration and do things with together with me and having people jump out of the crowd and onto the stage and do things with me. Um, was just such an, an unbelievable and incredible experience and having a huge roar of, of applause at the end. And just, it was, it was a really, really profound experience um, and got me over my microphone phobia and, and it has really just propelled me in so many different ways as, as a performer and as a musician and, and as a host and MC and all these different things that, I just didn't have access to before then. Um, so it was one of those like highlight moments that I'm never, I'm really never going to forget. Cause it was, it was one of those steps in life that now gave me access to things I'd, I'd always wanted for so long and, and saw myself do it in such a, um, such a well-received and, and, and big experience that, um, that yeah, life has just been different since then. It's been really, really incredible. Plus it was my first year at camp and the first year they did it. So, just mixed in with all of these new kinds of experiences I never had before uh, that, that provided a, a, a really, really great platform for growth from that point forward. Damn. That's, <laughs> that's just so cool, man. I, it, it, let's get back to the, the tier for, or, yeah. or, or let's start talking about your, your experience in the tier now for a second. Sure. I imagine that being in the tier and having these conversations with people and, and actually with your cuddle therapy there too, and, and just the different experiences that you're having with people, you're able to provide these same experiences for other people and that you are also just witnessing and watching people have these experiences where they're gaining new kind of life skills, if you want to call it that, or, or, you know, looking through a different lens or thinking about things in a different way. Um, what, like, it, it, God, I don't know. Like, I guess just talk about that a little bit and what it's like to be a part of that on the, on the counselor. And yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's part of what was so, um, profound my first time around and every, every time, every time since, um, just helping set the stage for a group of people to, um, to to do something different and maybe something they've they've wanted to for a long time or always wanted to do and never had a chance in life because life kind of just picks up and then never drops you until um, either you know you have a midlife crisis and everything changes or uh, or you you know you put yourself out there and do some crazy thing for a weekend and attempt to spread yourself spread your wings a little bit yeah. Um, but it's it, it feels so rewarding to be a supporting role in that and and to help people feel welcome and comfortable in this very new environment because it, it, it can be a lot you know it's a group of 300 people and you know I grew up with a lot of uh, social anxiety and and a lot of issues being out in groups and in public and and so I can also understand and empathize with other people that might feel that too but it, it it's it's really one of the best feelings to be able to help usher people into themselves, um, and into being comfortable being themselves. And, and that, cause that, that's, that's kind of what helped me grow out of a lot of that too. So it just feels so rewarding to, to pay it back and, and to such a huge, um, huge crowd and audience. Yeah. 
Do you ever have? Do you guys ever have any problems with people bringing alcohol or drugs or anything like that? And and not in the sense that someone is like an alcoholic or a drug addict or anything like that, but more or even in the sense of like, oh, let's party, like we're adults, we can do what we want. But in the sense of what you were just saying, like for so many people they get so used to being so disconnected from everybody else. And the fact that they need to now, you know, like bear their entire selves in front of 300 strangers. Um, are there, are there people that try to bring alcohol or drugs just to kind of cope with that and make themselves feel more open and comfortable to meeting people? Um, you, you spoke to a couple interesting things, um, there, but yeah, there, there's certainly some people that are like, try to like, weasel in a little alcohol, especially because if they haven't been there before, they don't really know the context they're getting into and realize, and we, and we speak very directly to this in the, in the kind of like the big grand opening in the beginning and a lot of counselors with their smaller camps too. And, you know, people will like put a box out in their, in their camps and, you know, like no judgments, no qualms whatsoever. Like, but we really want to create a sober and, and safe environment for, for people and, and for yourself. Like this is really for you. Like a lot of people use, drugs and alcohol to cope with reality. And, and we want to provide a context that might be overstimulating, but we can use each other and help each other in order to cope with anything that might be, might, might be overwhelming for us. And, and I think that's where a lot of the magic really lies is, um, is being able to really be enlivened by and supported by and, and feel, and feel like you can be safe in, in a group and in, in a large group of mostly strangers. Um, and, in a way that doesn't require you kind of exiting your standard state of reality and like getting into this altered place. And that's a big part of what alcohol culture in general all around is about, especially in the States, um, is, is an escapism thing is, is a coping thing. And, and it's very much not, it's, it's inherent in kind of like the idea of, of alcohol culture. And, um, it's very hard to see unless you step your step yourself outside of it. Totally. Um, you yeah. to tie up like, okay, this alcohol is going to allow me to have this experience. Like that mm -hmm. is that's not a very good tie to have in your head. <laughs> you no know? way. And, and and therefore, like it's hard to have the experiences without it because you feel like, oh, that's not. I I don't do that. I, that was crazy. That was wild. But I don't do that. I drunk me does that. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> totally, man. I. Uh, I think about that all the time with alcohol and just getting, you know, getting off like a hard day of work or whatever it is and, and trying so hard not to associate that with, with having a drink or something, right. you know, cause God forbid you, uh, that, that, yeah, that's a slippery slope. Um, mm -hmm. so, all right, let's, uh, let's go ahead and give people just some kind of quick facts about the camp in case, uh, they want to know any of these things. And then we'll talk a little bit more about the philosophy uh, behind the camp, like your thoughts on that philosophy and then the philosophy within your tea yurt and we'll, mm -hmm. uh, we'll move forward from there. So, um, for people that just want to know a little bit more about this, we already said it's about 300 people. Um, mm -hmm. how long exactly do you go for? Uh, it starts Friday afternoon and then campers leave, uh, late morning, Monday, early afternoon, Monday. Okay. And they're currently mm -hmm. in Northern California and where else? Uh, Northern California, uh, North Carolina, Austin, Texas, uh, and I think next year they're doing one in New York and a couple other places. Um, I, I don't remember the new places. Okay, cool. And uh, do you know about the cost to go for the weekend? Uh, it's in the 500 range. I don't remember exactly what the number is, um, but there's a lot of like 
really early bird, super early bird tickets that you that you can get and and get a get a chunk of that off. And and honestly, it's one of the best in, investments I could even imagine because um, that includes all your all your meals. It's just everything. There's no um, there's a canteen where you can buy some other things, but really you don't you don't need to. You could be just fine without it. Okay, so that was actually going to be the next question was about the food and the coffee and stuff like that. So I live in San Francisco. You live in Oakland. I mean, things have gotten pretty good in the food scene in this area, and people have a pretty high expectation for how their coffee is going to taste and stuff yeah. like that. What is it like at the camp? Um, are you like providing gourmet vegan meals for these people and like the best coffee in the world, or is it like typical uh, summer camp food from when you were a little kid, like hot dogs and chicken nuggets? Um, yeah, one, I mean part of what I adore about that place is the food. The food is just so incredible. Um, and, and I'm a foodie. Like I cook a lot of food. I cook a lot of food because what I want to eat, I can't get at restaurants, like even in the Bay, like there's like a lot of richness that I really love to my food. And, and they bring in an incredible kitchen team. That's, it's just, it's really amazing what they, what they dish out there. Um, and, and there's a huge variety of, of different foods and, and they're super hyper aware of food sensitivities and allergies and take all that information to, into account and make sure everybody gets fed and everybody gets fed well. Um, and, and it's, it's always, it's always incredible and delicious. And somebody's up at like five in the morning, getting the coffee ready to make sure that it's, it's all out for everybody to have, um, first thing in the morning. That sounds, I, I, I just it, like everything you talk about, I just think about how much I need to just do this yeah yeah it's that's it's it's that's the, that's the simplest thing just just show up and and, and see what happens yeah. yeah cool man and i saw online that it sounds like people from like all over the world show up to to do this it's not just a bunch of people in northern california oh no yeah people travel far and wide to to come out here that is great um all right let's talk a little bit more about the kind of philosophical side and mm. and the thinking behind and about the camp and your thoughts on that and then how you try to run your your tea yurt and uh, i guess your autonomy with the way that you run your tea yurt and, and the thoughts and expressed inside there and stuff like that um you used a term a few minutes ago when talking about uh like the the whole entire alcohol thing and shedding who you are and stuff like that and you were saying about like kind of the hyperactivity of the camp and i know from mm -hmm. talking to you earlier that y you were saying that you kind of feel that that some of it deserves more of like a, a deep dive psychologically speaking and emotionally and spiritually speaking that it doesn't necessarily get to have um because of the fact that there you know there's so many activities and stuff like that Right, right, right. And, and so that's kind of what I really appreciate about tea in general and spe specifically around so the tea yurt is all this um, Chinese tea ceremony called Gong Fu Cha. Uh, and Gong Fu Cha is this, is this situation, is, is the ceremony where you're, um, and it, a, a style of service too. So it's sitting down, there's tiny little cups, there's tiny little pots, there's always a server that's um, serving tea to everybody around. And it's, it's a way to you know, kick off your shoes and sit down on the ground and take a moment for, for yourself. And, and there's this ancient ritual and, and something I've been uh, participating in for the last seven or eight years here, here in the Bay. And, and I travel with my tea set everywhere. And, and it's this really nice, comfortable way that's a, a, a easy to integrate a lot of kind of 
ideas and aspects and, and, and mindfulness practices that are that are kind of interwoven into a lot of spirituality and, and, and my own spiritual practices that, you know, it doesn't have to um, be, it, it helps people re reimagine the ideas of, of um, that kind of, of practice where it's just sitting down and taking a moment for yourself and having a cup of tea with friends um, can end up being a, a, a really profound habit after doing something like that for so long. And, and it's really kind of one of the secrets to my, um, my, my being able to, and, and having the capacity to, to have done so much in my life because I've slowed down for a lot of it. Um, and, and people forget that they need to kind of slow down and come back to themselves and recalibrate before they jump back in into the fire. Um, and that's one of the things in the like workhorse workforce uh, culture that we have here that people forget about and and they can they can get so far down that stream of that one form of thing that they're doing that uh, they they might have been they might have missed their mark a long time ago and, and are kind of way off course uh, and that's and this is something that really helps me stabilize and 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 prioritize what's what's really important in my life um, by being able to just kind of like sit there and be there with people and, 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 and to practice these things with other people. Um, and it's just kind of, it's, it's not, you don't have to think about it. This is, this is a lot of like heady information around these things that are happening for me when I sit and have tea, but really all I have to do is just sit down and drink tea with friends and, and, <laughs> and strangers and then it works. Absolutely. You do, you do the simplest of things and they have profound effect. I mean, right. that's, that, that is like the essence of meditation. You're just freaking sitting exactly. there exactly. doing yeah. nothing, like staring <laughs> at a wall or whatever. And, and eventually it has this profound effect by doing mm-hmm. nothing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Like you were saying that in, in our culture and the world that we live in, that, the kind of the only time that we have to be uh, maybe quiet and sit down with our thoughts for most people is in like a coffee shop setting or at work or whatever it is. But your those thoughts are all so focused on your work or on something um, productive of some sort. Or right. I guess maybe right. another time people would do that is at a bar. But um, again, then you have this this context of okay, I'm drinking, so now I'm opening up on my thoughts. So first of all, I'm not thinking about those thoughts as clearly as usual because I'm right. drinking. Right. Um, but B, there's this now association between me, you know, really just sitting down to talk with my friends and having a drink and stuff like that. Um, and you're really interrupting that whole pattern um, with the, uh, what is it called? Gong Fu Cha? Gong Fu Cha. Yeah. Gong Fu Cha. Gong Fu Cha. That's uh, that's cool, man. So, do you feel a little bit like you have a different culture or a different feeling going on the tea yurt from the rest of the camp, or, or that it kind of flows in the same direction as the camp? Um, they they really go hand in hand very well. Um, but part of them going hand in hand really well is that they're really good counterbalances for one another. Um, you know, like like I I was saying the the slowing down and the being still and the taking a second for yourself and putting something in your body that's really nourishing and nutrient dense and good for you and warm, like really hot liquids in the middle of the night and um, being in a really cozy kind of um, close quarters environment rather than the giant expanse of the entire camp um, is, is a really, really important part. You know, you, you need you need to inhale before you exhale kind of, kind of situation as, as a metaphor. Like you, you need to be able to, to fill yourself up and, and not just expend, uh, expend energy the, the entire time. 
So you get to you get to do that by by sitting down and, and having some tea and listening to some music. Man, I love the way that you put that about filling yourself up before expending more energy. That's beautiful. Right. Right. Um, all right, Travis. Let's uh, let's move this thing on now to your just love of tea in general and the tea shop that you've opened in Oakland, Tea Oasis, and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So. Uh, when, like, when did you get so into tea? Uh, so first, I guess, tell us when you first experienced tea to begin with, like if you can recall the first time you even really like drank hot tea and enjoyed it and stuff. And then at what point did you get, start to get like really passionate about it? Um, they kind of happened at the same time. Interestingly, uh, like I I grew up in, in a family that had like black tea with sugar and milk and that was never really my thing. Like it was, it was Nice. It tasted good, but I never really got super into it. Um, but about maybe seven, seven between seven and eight years ago, um, I, a friend of mine recommended me to go to this tea place. She was like, "You need to go here. You will absolutely love it." Um, and I'm like, you know, cafe, coffee shop, tea. Like that's not usually my hangout spot. But all right, I'll go. Like clearly, you're really excited for me to see this place. Um, and I, I went in a couple days later. It was it was a tea house called Om Shanti that was in the mission. Um, and it uh, it's, was a profound experience for me. I, I, I rolled in around like uh, late afternoon and sat down. They had a tea bar there and you just kind of pay five bucks to sit at the tea bar and you can drink as much tea as you want for as long as you want. Um, and, and I sat there and I just started having a little tea. I never had tea in this way with like little cups and like somebody serving me and just sat and talked to all these people at the tea bar. You know, there was like maybe 10 seats or something around and you could talk to everybody there, listen to other people's interesting conversations. And then um, I just kind of s- sat there all day and, and they closed at midnight and they kicked me out five hours after I got there when they closed at midnight. And I was just there all, all night. And just so many people were coming and going and every single person that I met was an interesting, fascinating character that was down to have some open conversations about life, their life, what's important, what matters to them and just like crack jokes and be fun and relax and have some tea. And it just, I just, I was just hooked. And then I came back the next day and was there for another few hours and like met more interesting, different people. And, and that became my, my habit, my ritual. And, and I was, I was there all the time, like most days of the week for about five years while it was open. Um, and ended up volunteering for them for their mobile tea house. So I helped them build uh, big tea temples for like music festivals that were open 24 hours for the three or four days that we were there. And then I ended up running the mobile tea house for them for a while, which is part of what I'm, what Camp Grounded is all about. It's all of that gear along with camp, the camp's gear. Um, and, and just ended up having uh, this life that was built around tea because I saw what happened when people sat together, uh, and, uh, just spent some quality time. And, and that's one thing that we unfortunately don't have a lot of is, is time to spend quality time. Dude, Um, it's so, so, so nice and, and interesting when, when something is, I guess, is simple and well thought out as as that it's, it's interesting when a the the device behind something or like the mechanism by how something works supports the idea behind it um like so completely so 
I was just thinking about a couple of things when, when you were, were talking about all this, and I'm sure that you've thought about this yourself before. But for one, the fact that you pay one single rate and the fact that it, and that it, you're not paying with each cup that you get, mm-hmm. that obviously completely invites people to have their own experience and go at their own pace. Right. Um, it doesn't really matter how much money you have. Like when you're paying for every drink, it, there's just something about that, you know, that it's like, okay, like this is getting silly. I'm just going to leave now and go home or, you know, whatever right. it is. But the fact that you're not paying for money every time, the fact that the tea is being brought to you and served to you, like when you go to a bar, A, you're having to pay for each drink that you get. And B, there's kind of these natural breaks where you need to go and get another drink. Mm-hmm. And there becomes almost times between people where you you like purposely use that break or something. You know, like you get just like jittery and fidgety. Like we're all so kind of um have like a little bit of ADD to us, you know, and it's like right. it's very hard to just like sit there and sit still. So you're like, "Oh, okay, like where where's your drink at?" Oh, and I have a few sips left. Like let me go and grab another one for us right now. It's just like something to do because you can become so like compulsive with the need to just do something. And right. the fact that there's no money being exchanged uh, other than, you know, the one fee and then you truly just sit there, um it it that that sets up such a nice support system for then the the mental piece and the the idea behind the entire thing. Right. Yeah, it's it's really and and I and I a lot of the ideas in my own tea house came from from that one and uh that was kind of like that was the original place where I learned all about um all about this and and it that's a very similar take that I have um in 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 my work. That's awesome, man. And I saw, so yours is almost even a step beyond that, that for the most mm-hmm. part, you sell memberships. Is that right? Right. So similarly, um, with, with the Om Shanti and, and you could either sit at the bar and pay five bucks or like sit at a table and order a pot and, and do all that. Um, but with my tea house, it's, it's mostly a membership based tea house. So you pay 36 bucks for an entire month of, of tea and all the events that come through and just like everything that, um, you have access to the space, um, and you have extended hours. You can go there starting 9 a.m. open uh, that as late as uh, midnight when we close uh, during the week, and and that's just full access. Like you, you pay once, and you're just a part of the community. Um, and for those that that aren't members, you can just drop in for the day, and it's just eight bucks for the whole day. Um, same model as as with Home Shanti, but you kind of take take a pick of however many teas you want. You get to craft your own little, um, combinations and blends as you want. Um, and, and just kind of soak it in and, and let yourself, uh, let yourself be there as long as you, as you want and need. How, how many days are you there? I'm there just about every night. That's cool, man. That is, yeah. uh, that's real cool. Uh, so how it, it that seems so unbelievably inexpensive to me like how did you decide on the pricing and how the hell does that even work right well i'm it it it, that's kind of the hilarious part like it is really unbelievably inexpensive i mean you go for one night out drinking at a bar and you've just like paid more than an entire month of of like experiences and shows and like educational things and like all the things that come through an entire month of that of that tea house um, like that's, that's a night out drinking and, and, and the thing with a lot of, um, with a lot of business in general, I've been, I've been thinking about stuff like this for a long time. Uh, but if, if everyone buys in a little bit and if everyone's consistently there and, and it's a membership thing, um, 
it, you're kind of buying into this community space existing. And even if you don't show up every day and, and some people show up once or twice a month, but they're still members because they believe in it and they want to support it. And that's the kind of thing they want to have alive. Um, and, and when they like get a chance to slow down and aren't so busy and haven't like pulled three 80 hour work weeks in a row, they can, they can come in and, and know that that's always there waiting for them. And knowing there's a little oasis from their like hectic urban lives. That's, um, that's, that's just ready, ready for them to, um, to slow down with people and, and to practice that with people. Yeah, definitely, man. So let's talk about some of the, uh, the rules that you have at your mm-hmm. shop. Um, so for one, it like the camp is completely device free, correct? Right. Yep. And then you don't, so these next ones I want to like talk about a little bit. So you don't allow shoes inside. Why, why is that? Um, I, I kind of just like in general, the, like the kick off your shoes way of living. Um, you know, take, just take a second for yourself. Like, in in the process of removing your shoes too, it's kind of a little bit of a commitment to hang out for a while. Like, all oh, right. And some people are like, Oh man, these boots are crazy. Like, Oh, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm really committing if I need to take these things off. Um, and it just lets people kind of transition from like walking, moving, doing their thing, like out in the world to, to kicking their shoes off and just settling in. Travis, um, and, you just like philosophically blew my mind. I never, <laughs> I never thought about that before. There really is such a commitment when you take your shoes off somewhere. You never take your shoes off somewhere only to leave five minutes later. Like that just does not happen. Right, exactly. And and my model with my tea house is very different than most businesses. I don't want you to move out of that seat as quickly as possible. I want you to stay for as long as you want. As long as you need to be here, you're welcome. That's really cool. About how many people does, does your space hold? Uh, we fit like 70, 80 people in there. And we also have a back patio that we're still building out um, that could fit another, you know, a couple dozen. So it's definitely, those are for the larger events that we, we've had that many people in there, but it's, it's, it's definitely cozy. It, it'll, it, it, it gets cozy at that point. And we, uh, we also have a huge front area if we want, if we will throw larger events, um, that's like three times the size of the tea house. That's just right in front of it connected through a door. So, um, there's, there's a lot of good, like spatial capacity there. Cool. So, all right, let's, let's get back to, um, some of the points on your manifesto. So the last one that I wanted to talk about, which actually, again, shares a little bit of similarity with one of the, uh, one of the principles at, at camp grounded is, is everyone learns, everyone teaches. First of all, I love that you state that in your manifesto. That's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Um, but I guess talk about your feelings behind that. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of, um, a big part of how I approach life. Um, and knowing that even when I'm in a teaching role, when I'm teaching workshops or doing some coaching, have a coaching client or, or, or whatever, I'm always in the process of learning. Like I'm always practicing what it is that I'm doing. And, and that's, that's something that a lot of people can forget about, especially when they become such experts in their field or whatever, that um, they forget that they're still learning and learning from other people and learning through teaching other people. Um, and just by engaging with other human beings, if you leave yourself, um, open to be able to have a real genuine connection and, and conversation, you're going to be learning from each other. And that's, that's the kind of environment and, and the kind of social, uh, the social exchange that I want to be happening there where people are able to settle in and, and really be receptive to each other. And if you have a, if you have an environment where receptivity is kind of the norm, it just builds this real sense of, of 
of trust and, and safety and a, a place where you know that you can be yourself and people will accept that. Uh, and, and you learn a lot about yourself just being able to be in an environment where that's, where that's happening. Man, again, I just can't believe that I am not just sitting in your tea shop right now. I, <laughs> are you guys open today? Uh, no, we're closed for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Ah, damn it, Travis. So, <laughs> and you said that the one in San Francisco is now closed, unfortunately, right? Yeah, I had to close that one, unfortunately. Yeah, the um, the partnership wasn't working out. It, it just kind of like different philosophies and, and had to uh, had to leave that one. And, and so now I'm just focusing on Oakland. Okay. Man, I... Uh, I can't, again, I can't believe that this hasn't really caught on more. I guess it's hard because it's so against the grain from our society to take, to take that much time for yourself and to take that much time to just sit. Um, but it's, it's certainly something that we all need. Um, so we talked a little bit about like you getting into tea and, and, uh, first at this tea shop here in the mission that, that existed and everything. Um, did you did you start really like researching a bunch about tea or I, I imagine like you you had to start to learn a lot about tea to be able to open up your own shop? Well, I mean, you sit down and you drink tea for several hours a day, most every day for seven years and you just pick some things up. You know, I, like that was my research. My my research in life is, is meeting people and learning about their expertise. And a lot of people that go to tea houses are pretty knowledgeable about tea and herbs. Um, so that's really how I learned pretty much everything is just sitting down with people, um, and drinking tea with them and feeling it in my own body and knowing like, Oh, this, this tea feels like this, this tea tastes like this. And after doing it for so long, I just like, Oh, this, this is chunk of piedra. It's like that herb that I've drank so many times here. Or this is Lotus statement or, you know, that I can, I can see them too. And, and I know I have a lot of familiarity with a lot of different teas and a lot of different herbs, um, just from drinking so much. And, being so far along in it, I'm well aware that there's no way I will ever reach full capacity of like all the knowledge of, of what there is about tea. Um, Cause just, there's so much of it and there's so many places that it grows and so many different ways that it's harvested and cultivated and so many different types of tea, like uh, of all the different, of all the different types, there's so many different varietals of all those different ones and so many different farms all over the place. And it's just there's no way of getting all the information. Um, and even if you dedicate your entire life to it, there's still going to be more to learn. And that's not even including herbs. That's just that one plant, Camellia sinensis, in and of itself. Yeah, just the tea tree. That man, right. I. It's got to be so nice to to connect to something so old and so yeah. ancient. Do, like, do you think about that a lot when you, when you're drinking tea? Yeah, I really do. It's, it's, it's really, it is a profound thing, not just the tea itself, but this tea ceremony process. Like it's, it's such a foundation for, um, for so much of life. It's, you know, the, uh, it is a, it is a known experience and plant and beverage all over the world. There's some way, and, and that's part of what I love about it too. Like I can connect to someone over tea because somewhere in their culture from wherever they're from, there's something in their tea, something, uh, something in their family where they've experienced tea. It, it has so many, so many memories and so many connections, and and it, it and that too comes in so many different varieties. And and I get to open up my um, my receptivity to their culture and like you know sweet tea from the south, like that has its own thing that like people love. And and you know there's this it's it's this capacity to have to be this great 
uh, melting pot where, you know, there might be a lot of judgment between a lot of different people like, oh, this is a ceremony, like this is a Japanese tea ceremony and very structured and this is how we do things. And, you know, like sweet tea in the South, very different, like just a, a super tasty thing that I love that energizes me and like love to have with dinner. And, and it gives me the capacity to really be open and receptive of all people from all walks of life depending on how they drink tea. And, totally. And for some of the older versions, it's like food. It's like it gives you such an insight into that culture's history and where they've yeah. been and who they are and stuff like that. It's like Absolutely. if you look at any cultures, A, I guess like staples for food, but B, you could even just get more specific and say like what is like what is their bread product? Like everybody has a type of bread product, you know, yeah. be that like a tortilla or whatever it is. And is it flat or is it puffy? And what like, right. you know, do they use rice or do they use this? And then or like if you look at a culture soup and like is it spicy? Is it what you know, and what types of herbs do they use and whatever? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. uh you know so much more about tea than I do, but I imagine there's just such a world to look into in terms of like, do does this culture drink herbal tea or do they only drink actual tea? And mm-hmm. do they stick with like only green tea or like black tea or something? Or do they do mm-hmm. like oolong and white tea and this and that? And um, there's got to just be such a such a variety there that you feel like you can kind of connect and like understand a little something more about someone's culture by understanding about their tea. Yep, exactly. And that's, that's, it's, it's such a nice avenue. Just focus on one tiny little thing and then see where it exists in other places. Yeah, definitely. And then that, I mean, that's, it's funny. It's, um, it's like a life imitating art type of thing. (laughs) It's like, then that, then that changes your own thinking about everything, you know, which in turn, in the way that you talk to people and the way that you interact with people, which is exactly what you're doing when you're drinking tea. It's just this never-ending circle of life, you know. It's crazy. Yep. Yep. The world is a crazy place. Um, so, <laughs> tell us, uh, tell us about some of your favorite teas, if if you have any, and um, it, 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 like try try to pick out a couple like for different uh, moods or whatever it is that you're in, um, as opposed to just like a all my children are beautiful type of thing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> And then just hopefully while, while you're doing that, give us a little bit of like an education in the different types of tea and stuff. Got it. So uh, you're asking me to pick my favorite children. I guess. I do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, gosh, there's so much. Um, I really love to drink a lot of herbs, um, which I, I'll talk about that, but the, the tea first, uh, I drink a lot of poor tea, uh, which is this aged fermented black tea that comes from, uh, County and in, in the Yunnan province in China, Southwest China. So let's and, let's really quickly explain for people if, if they don't even know this at the at the onset that it, people in America and I don't know if it, it, how it's used around the world, but I know mm-hmm. at the very least, like people in America use the term tea to basically mean like anything. And, anything they feel hot water in. Yeah. yeah. So like for for the most like ninety percent of the time, that's not actually tea. That's like an herbal tea. So when you're calling something tea, in my opinion, it should basically refer to actual tea. Like it came right. from a tea tree and and the 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 like dried leaves and. So if those leaves are just dried, it's going to be green tea. If you then want to like roast them, I guess, then that would become black tea or oolong or whatever. It, I don't know how it is exactly that you get white tea and everything, but the, those different like colors of, of tea with the word tea after it is like, is an actual tea. Like that came from a tea tree and there's already, there's still like, and then like you mentioned Pu'er just now, it's like that's mm-hmm. fermented tea and, the, and there's thousands of different types of just actual tea, but, uh, 
so much more than just like that that's still just a fraction of what would be like the tea drinks that people would usually associate which opens mm-hmm. up all kinds of herbal teas so like when you go to the store if you're looking at like throat coat tea or something when you have a sore throat there's right. probably no tea in that entire tea bag it's just a whole bunch of different herbs put together one of them is slippery elm bark, which like will coat your throat to make it feel nice and soothed and stuff like that. Or lots of times if people want to drink like a breakfast, some sort of like morning tea mix mm-hmm. in that morning tea mix, it's going to have like maybe some ginseng powder, like a few different herbs to wake you up. But probably none, nowhere in that tea bag is actually going to be tea. It's just going right. to be a, a mixture of different flowers and plants and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. sorry, I just wanted to like at least say that that way people know know what we're talking about here oh yeah definitely it's it's a distinction that um that definitely should be made and and people people get pretty you know keen on it after a little bit it's 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 easy to to like if you sit and drink for a while you'll you'll catch on pretty quickly um but but yeah there's a there's a whole difference yeah different oxidization levels and processes with all these different teas that make them the different types of tea um which is what's so incredible like the same plant has so many different iterations depending on where it's grown, what mountain it's grown on, and like what's the the season that it's picked in, and and like the the way in which it's harvested, cultivated, uh, processed, like where you do all of this and how you do all of this, just makes such profoundly different tea and experiences, and even like chemical makeups of the tea itself. Um, yeah, so pour isn't often one I drink, and I have a lot of that um, around my life. And when I go out for tea, I like to get a lot of green tea. It's just it's a different kind of um, different kind of sensation and feel, and different kind of like antioxidant levels, and and feels a lot more cleansing to me in general, and just lighter. And I really I really like a lot of different different green teas when I'm out and about in the world. Um, and then herbs is just like there's so much. I I just what do I feel, and then what do I want to feel, and there's so many things I really love relaxation wise and Damiana is one of my favorite herbs to drink. I drink a lot of that. Um, like Damiana and rose petals or rose buds. That's a good little combo. What is Damiana? Um, Damiana is, uh, this herbal aphrodisiac that is unlike a lot of other ones. It's, it's more of a relaxing sensation. So a lot of other aphrodisiacs like cacao and maca and katsuaba and like all these different, different things are, are very stimulating. Um, but this one is actually really, really relaxing. Um, and it's something actually I've used in my like cuddle therapy sessions where we drink a little bit of Damiana tea to help slow, like slow us down. I call it kind of like the cuddly aphrodisiac cause it, it's, it's more of a softening than it is a stimulating. That sounds awesome. You'll have to, um, maybe send me a link or something. We'll, we'll have to put all kinds of links from this episode on the website, yeah. but that, uh, of like a favorite brand of yours or something that we can, we can send people to. That sounds really cool. Great. So what yeah, about, yeah. um, in terms of, uh, like a, I, I is, so I've never drank pu'er. Is that, is that like really like strong and, and hearty and kind of more of like a wake you up in the morning type of tea? Yeah, that's definitely a, it's, it's a really rich, like dark, deep flavor, especially, um, ripe pu'er. There's a, there's raw pu'er and ripe pu'er and one's a little bit more like green and bitter. The raw one is, and then, um, the ripe is more like earthy and 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 rich and and dark and uh you can get the same flavor from a raw puer it just takes about 15 to 20 years of aging to get that flavor and and depth and color um and wow. the ripening it like hastens that uh that aging process so you get that that flavor 
much more quickly. So you can have a like two, three year old right puer that um, that has a lot of that flavor. Do you find that because Chinese culture and and a, a lot of Asian culture is so much older that they don't look at those time as as long you know like i sit here and think about like a 20 year ht and it's like oh my god but because their time scale is so you know the, those cultures are so ancient that maybe for them it's 20 years it's just like ah whatever yeah that's uh, that's actually a really fascinating thing i haven't looked at in this particular context but yeah that's really i feel like that has a lot to do with with like the human experience also you know when you're like in high school and these things are so important and like, Oh my God, this girl and that thing and like this homework and that test and Oh, life is so crazy. And like, there's so much pressure and, and like you need to, especially in, 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 in like just younger years of life, there's seems to be, um, uh, the, that span of time seems to be kind of like shrunk a little bit and, and the things right now are important and you can only see so far ahead and you can only think about so much of life. Like you're, you're not going to necessarily see somebody that's 13 that's thinking about their retirement, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but, um, in America, like it's, it's just the, the United States is, is a very young country and, and we are very fast paced and we have a lot of like, we need to get this done now. And like, we need to work hard immediately and to get, do all these things and, and make these technological advances and, and create so much. And, and, and like, yeah, like even thinking about, Oh my God, 20 years of aging, how long is that going to take? And, and Chinese cultures is just ancient. There's just so much history going on. And tea is such an ancient part of their culture. And 20 years in the grand scheme of things is nothing. Um, and you know, like, my dad has been retired, like working towards his retirement and like, Oh, you know, another couple of years, that's no problem. Whereas like two years to somebody younger is like a massive amount of time yeah, uh, and will change everything for a lot of people. Um, so there is something that's really interesting about like the, the age of that culture versus the age of this one. Yeah, definitely. Um, give us a little bit of an education about uh, like, teas from from dark dark and heavy to just mm -hmm. like completely light and like refreshing mm -hmm. um a lot of a lot of poor is definitely probably like the darkest heaviest feeling kind of tea and in, in in my opinion and what in the kinds of ones that i drink and um and light teas i like Green teas and white teas are really good for just kind of a light, maybe even like really soft, subtle flavor with a lot of white teas. Um, but there can be a lot of, of depth in that too. Uh, but that's probably on the lighter spectrum. I mean, just look at the color and like that, that really translates to the palate a lot. Um, and, and so that's kind of a, a good way of, of associating it kind of like starting with like white and green and yellow teas and then getting higher into oolongs and then blacks and then puer teas and that's also kind of following the, the like oxidization levels too, from lowest to highest. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. So before we get into cuddle therapy, which mm -hmm. I am so excited for, <laughs> uh, give us uh, give us a little bit of like tea advice. Um, if people aren't that into tea yet, but they would like to get a little bit more into tea, uh, let's try to give them some advice for like ways to not blow it and like maybe <laughs> things to to think about as they're you know brewing their first cups of tea and pots of tea and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if you want to get started on the right track, in my opinion, uh, do really small amounts and have tiny little cups and like take your time with it. Um, and also one thing is really important to be really mindful of the temperature that you're, that you're brewing the tea in. That's one thing that traditionally people screw up day after day after day and have no idea otherwise. Um, but kind of following that stream of like white, green, oolong, uh, black and puer, that's kind of a lowest to highest temperature. So just kind of do a little bit of research or, or read it if you have, um, if you like get some tea. Um, I would also highly recommend doing loose leaf uh, over, over a bag team. There's just a lot. It's kind of like the dregs of the tea plant is like kind of what falls out. It's like what people throw into the tea bag. Um, so like the really, the really good leaves and buds all come through um, in, in loose leaf teas. And then do you put yours inside, would you recommend people get like, if they're new to this, like a tea ball or one of those like things that they sell at Tivana, you know, where mm-hmm. like it strains out on top of your mug or like a teapot where it can just like open up? What, what, what do you recommend there? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm personally, I'm always about the small teapots, the small cups. That's the way to go to really kind of take your time. And, it, and it's really easy to share. That's also another thing that I would say is, is when you're drinking tea, share it with people. Um, sit down and drink tea with someone. And that really, that, that changes the flavor. It's kind of amazing. There's some teas that I've been drinking for years and I sit down and drink it alone. Like this tastes different. This feels different. Everything's, everything's different about it. Um, and wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just like drink it, drink it with friends. Don't overthink it. Like tea balls are great. You know, you can just put some in there and dip it in a little, a little cup of hot water. Um, but really just try and have like really hot, tea so getting big mugs or, or just like it's going to get cold halfway through um and and like that's that's my that's my my best advice okay cool i'll put a link up to this thing that i have in my kitchen which is a little um like electric kettle like electric water heater mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. um i got it a i used to drink a ton of tea um and b I started drinking what when I would drink coffee, I would using an AeroPress and for AeroPress, mm-hmm. they recommend drinking your coffee at 175 as opposed to like boiling water or anything mm-hmm. like which usual coffee would be. And so this electric kettle has, uh, I think like eight different temperature buttons on it as opposed to like a little like knob or whatever. It's just preset mm-hmm. like 160, 165, 170, 175. Mm-hmm. And next to the temperature amount for each one, it says exactly what tea uh, it, that's the appropriate temperature for. Awesome. So, uh, it, that way, if I don't know, you stumble home drunk one night or something, you don't want to burn your tea. You can, you can just look right there and it says oolong right. and you push the right. oolong button and you're all set. Um, right. I, I, man, I totally meant to ask you. So sorry. Last question before we move on. Uh, have you completely given up alcohol now that you have this wonderful kind of tea ritual or do you still drink alcohol sometimes? Um, I, that's a good question. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of of a mindset of never giving up something a hundred percent unless it is a purely toxic thing. Um, and like, you know, there's just like some hard drugs. I'm just never going to try just cause I don't want to put that in, in my body. And, and it's just, uh, no, no judgment or qualms of other people that are going through that, of course. But, um, it, alcohol is one of those things that was kind of a great teacher for me when I was younger and helped me get over a lot of social anxiety and, and started me like moving a little bit towards the idea of social interaction as a good thing. Um, and, 
and it, it's it's something that I I don't like to shame also because I feel like there's such a, there's such extremes around like I I like party all the time and alcohol is my thing and I go out every weekend and and those are like very hard like never again will I ever drink a thing and 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 that kind of it has its own stressors that have a lot to do with it and and so my approach is really as as I feel comfortable and as I feel like yeah I could go for a drink right now it's 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 usually a single drink of something that's really light um and and something that just like helps bring in that that particular sense of of relaxation um but it's it's that's a rare occurrence, you know. Like I I don't have, I don't say like I'm going to have two drinks a month uh, or anything like really structured like that. But it ends up being something like that. Like a couple times a month, I'll have a drink, um, just because this this having this as my daily practice has has filled up so much of what that that used to do in my past. Yeah, and I imagine that yeah, the alcohol has just got to seem not that great anymore compared right. to sitting yeah. and having tea with people. Right. Cool, man. All right. Well, on to the, I, man, Travis, like I said, I'm just so excited about this. So on on to cuddle therapy. (laughs) Let's do this thing. So, all right. First, just tell us what cuddle therapy is. Obviously it's two words that we understand. Hey everyone, it's Blake. Hope you all enjoyed the first episode of 2016 and learned something new about tea and found out about the whole entire adult summer camp thing, which God just sounds so awesome to me. So if you guys end up at the one in Northern California, there's like a 50-50 shot that you will see me there because I just might have to go. Um, On Thursday, we will be finishing off this episode and you guys can learn all about the crazy, amazing, interesting world of, uh, of cuddle therapy that Travis pioneered. And he'll even give us some tips for kind of better cuddling and connecting with our loved ones. So thank you so much for listening. Take care.